Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder here, and I wanted to thank you so much for listening to my podcasts and story compilations. I'd also love to engage with you on my other platforms. I do live multi-streams usually Sunday nights starting at 9 p.m. Central on YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, and now Facebook. I also do live streams every Wednesday on TikTok starting at 3 p.m. Central. And you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and at dusty-thunder.com where you can submit your own story, shop swag, even support our Mission Protect the Cake initiative. If you're not subscribed on YouTube yet, I highly recommend it because we post multiple stories there every day. We've rolled out a membership program with exclusive content and we'll be doing even more in 2024. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the stories and may your days stay astronaut free. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hello there and welcome to yet another edition of the Dusty Thunder Podcast. We have with us once again, Stevie Wonder. He's back. It What's has, up? It's been a while, man. It's been a long time. Well, so podcast-wise, it's been several months, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's been, man, I don't know, either earlier this year or it might have even been, how long? In 22. It might have been last year. It could have yeah, been. It's been, a long, it's been a weird year. My brain is garbage. Yep. So yeah. at this point, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what my name is anymore. At, at, your name's Dusty. At any rate, Dusty, I'm, I'm glad to be here. So. Stevie Wonder. We were talking about you on the uh, on the the live stream we were doing the other day, and uh, and and I said Steve was coming back, and I was like, wait a second, what was what was the vanity name we came up with for Steve? And I could not remember it for like two days, and I was like, what the hell was it? And then it hit me. I'm like, yes, it was Stevie Wonder. I, I gave myself some other nicknames in that one video that I sent for the, mm-hmm. the anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thrusty blunder. Thrust, yeah, thrusty blunder. Thrusty blunder. Uh, that was good. Uh, yeah, dusty down under. <laughs> Uh, sometimes you need a little spray shower you know what i mean i I don't think i can do it it's too early when you're running around when you're running around out in the outback without pants on sometimes it uh, gets dusty down under out back that's right (laughs) sometimes you gotta spray out the pouch you know Mm -hmm. like a kangaroo yes indeed they do collect some things it's like pocket lint Pocket lint, uh, baby kangaroos, uh, <laughs> boxing gloves. Yep, uh, uh, knives. <laughs> knives. You call that a knife? It, I, it, I call it a knife. <laughs> it's a knife for me. <laughs> uh, it has been a hell of a good time. You also joined us for the DFHB club. 
yeah, production, uh, yes, which was I, fun. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, we need uh, to do more of that. We plan on doing more of that. Um, I think it's one of those things that was it's wildly different for our kind of content. So um, it didn't immediately like blow up into this huge thing. And we're like, oh, we'll come back to it. Uh, but life is busy, man. Yeah. Like this week, I'm filming five of the seven days for this week. That's that's how this thing has progressed. It's just insane. Going live like two or three days per week, have offline recording sessions a couple days per week. We're doing this today and then tomorrow we're bringing the kiddos in and doing like a q a filming session with them that's awesome talking about you know, like how this whole thing has changed things for them which uh spoiler spoiler alert not at all they don't give a shit like, <laughs> nothing, none of their friends know like or don't care it's like nothing has changed at all i but, think i think that's good and healthy though right agreed. like your, your kids shouldn't uh it shouldn't matter like and i i've always admired like when you hear about actors where uh, I think who was this talking about uh, Jason Bateman, I think was talking about that a while ago, like his how kids his, his kids were like 15 before they ever saw one of his movies. Mm. Didn't even know he was a, he was a thing, you know, and I'm like, that's, I think that's a great way <laughs> like, to keep him humble. Right? Why, like, why would people like my dad? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're um, embarrassed of me enough as it is. Uh, but every once in a while I'll tag them on like Insta stuff and that kind of thing. And I'm sure, I'm sure they're embarrassed, but it's my, I feel like it's my duty as dad duty to thoroughly embarrass them. Dude, speaking of duty. So focusing on gut health stuff is something that happened later in life for me. And I started, uh, started experimenting with different things. I've done probiotics. I've done supplements. I've done all kinds of stuff. And then we discovered colon broom because they reached out to us. So it was a cool thing to, to look into my, I gotta, I gotta come clean. No pun intended. <laughs> my first, my first, uh, my first thought whenever I heard the words colon broom were like back in the day when it was, I forget what radio show it was, but they were doing like colon blow. And that's the oh, stuff yeah. that like makes you shit a rope, like yeah. an actual freaking <laughs> yeah. rope. And I was like, okay, I have a sensitive stomach anyway, and I'm like overreactive to things. So that's probably the last thing on the planet uh, yeah. that I need to do. Um, but we talked about it more in the office. I <clears throat> started reading more into it and it is much more like fiber for gut stabilization, which is absolutely something that I need. So, uh, so I think that kind of thing, looking into it at, at this phase of my life makes a hell of a lot more sense. Stability is a huge deal, especially when you're, when you're a busy freaking dude. Like I, I don't want to be in the middle of a live stream and be like, Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, or, or not feel or feel bloated or gross during you, those times. Do you poop your pants a lot during live streams? Is that <laughs> I like on, on, I have one to 10. How often does I that haven't happen? pooped my pants on a live stream yet? Okay. I have peed a little. Me, I did today. <laughs> we, we just started. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're still early into yeah, this yeah. thing. There's still plenty of time for, you know, keep that away from me. <laughs> well, anyway, the, uh, the, the Colin Broom people, whenever they reached out, it, it kind of launched more of a focus on there may be other options for me other than what I've tried so far. Um, I'm excited to experiment with that and see where it goes. But also whenever we were looking at things and we're like, is this something that we would be willing to talk about um, to, to our viewers and incorporate with our brand? I had to go there because Colin Broom and we talk about assholes all the time, right? Yeah. All the time. It's we're kind of asshole specialists. So the line, because I'm a marketing guy, that within just a couple of minutes popped in my head was this. You may be an asshole, 
but you don't have to be full of shit. And I'm keeping it. It's good. That is going to be it's a part of every gold. single Colin Broom thing that we ever do. You may be an asshole, but you don't have to be full of shit. That's it. That's the mic drop. It's over. Yeah. Talking about gut health and, and the importance of it, just not to get too way serious here, but my dad died of colon cancer. Damn. So like that is, it's one of those things where uh, the seriousness of that should not be messed with, right? right? Like um, It's something you should pay attention to if it doesn't feel right. Yes. Like it's one of those things like I'll just keep putting it off and uh, more of the story. I probably, I probably need to, you know, witch out and get on the broom, you know? Yeah. You witch out and get on the broom. Uh, patent pending. <laughs> Can we trademark that right now? All right. Uh, there's also there's also like this this parody. Uh, and I told you about the the one parody idea. I haven't told you guys yet, so I have to. Uh, we talked about one of the other visions that immediately came to mind because my my initial my initial thought of what Colin Broom did was making you shit a rope like Colin Blow or something else like that. Was this video where this guy. Is kind of feeling bubbly gutty, sees the colon broom sitting there, which, by the way, we do have we do have a container of it. It's official now. We're, we're officially talking product now. Um, he grabs it and then walks out of frame and then it cuts to a frame where the kids are out in the driveway playing with a very long, very thick brown jump rope. And he walks out and is like, oh, that's not a never mind, whatever. And then just walks out and that's it. And then we end with the line. You may be an asshole, but you don't have to be full of shit. Uh, it's not like that at all. Uh, there was so uh, unfortunately, my my parody wouldn't make sense. So I had to abandon that idea. Um, there's another one that is more of like a, a chimney sweep kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> You can see where this is going <laughs> yeah. immediately, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, the chimney sweep comes out of the chimney and is all like covered in ash and stuff. Well, this would be the colon broom version. So. <laughs> There'd be some differences. Chim chimney chim. Or Mary Poopins. <laughs> Sorry, it's too far. Mary Poopins I'm was Mary fantastic. Hey, uh, <laughs> you're all cleaned out now, sir. You're all cleaned out now. Uh, anyway, this speaking of gut health, and and yeah, it is a very serious topic and something that I think as you get older, you have to start paying attention to, especially if you have some discomfort that you have to play with. So this is uh, this is a. a vegan non-gmo gluten-free can work with any kind of diet thing so um, if you feel like your gut isn't stable and you feel like you want to get it stable this is not something that is going to make you shit a rope um which you know for the purposes of comedy was was a little disheartening but uh, but it is something that has some serious benefits when it comes to getting fiber in and getting your gut stabilized and especially if you're a guy like me who is a big cereal guy um and you need some kind of easy way to get fiber rocking this you ever see those do you, do you maybe it's just me maybe like instagram and tiktok think i'm a sicko but do you ever get those videos where there's like uh like a pipe and then it's like filled with debris and roots and stuff uh-huh. and then they show the video of the debris coming out of the pipe that's what i'm picturing it just keep that <laughs> image keeps popping into my head as i'm thinking of colon broom and i yeah. don't know if i'm a sicko I'm, I'm afraid to admit that i get that like the algorithm is like this guy's gonna like to see this <laughs> yeah probably your your feed is now is now based on the things that you actually pause and watch a few seconds like, of oh, oh, and that must be it all right hmm that guy takes colon broom <laughs> oh this has been an incredible tangent um I'm glad that we went there because we we did need to talk about gut health and colon broom a little bit. Um, but we are here today to read some stories. It's exciting. So since uh, since you were last on the podcast, 
have you found yourself um, pay, paying attention more to like the am I the asshole kind of Reddit story world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get sucked into them. Yeah. I start watching them and I, I can't stop. It's a rabbit uh, hole for it sure. It truly is a rabbit hole. I 100% get it. Do you ever find yourself now in situations where you're like, oh, I might have been the asshole there? Yeah, I, that happens a lot no matter <laughs> what uh, for me. That's that's an ongoing theme in my life. Uh, no, but I will, I will see these, I will see these stories on Facebook sometimes now, like in groups, mm-hmm. my, my, the asshole groups. And you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I sometimes I puff on my chest a little bit. I'm like, I'm kind of an authority on this topic. I'm right. a keyboard warrior. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Stevie wonder here. Yeah. Stevie wonder might've heard of me. <laughs> that guy's definitely an asshole. <laughs> like, like ask on one. Yeah. You start or, whipping or up or the I'm, terminology. Or I'm, like getting, or I'm, I'm getting in the other person's corner. It's like, let's really break down their perspective here. Maybe yeah. they're just missing. Yeah. I don't, I think, I, I think I'm a big believer, as you know, of breaking everything down, looking at the potential paths and trying to look at everything that could be going on there. There are some instances though, where it's like, oh no, there's no need to to tear this apart and evaluate everything. Somebody is just a raging, blatant asshole. Yeah, it happens. It can happen. Apparently, I'm an ask on three, and that's my floor. Oh. I can never go lower than an ask on three. I only go up from there, according to Candy Thunder. It's really? my default mode. Really? Uh huh. Wow. Well, remind me. Uh, the ranking system is yes. is four is you could have done it better. Three is you should have done it better. Two is you definitely shouldn't have done that. And one is you're an evil piece of shit, basically. Okay. okay. So three is pretty safe. I mean, it's it's always I should have done stuff better. Well. Or differently. That's I think that just being open to, to feedback. <laughs> yeah, you that's know? coachable. <laughs> Dusty's coachable. That's right. I, you know, that's why I always say, what do you love about Dusty Thunder? I say, I love Dusty Thunder is coachable. That's right. <laughs> I'm a coachable asshole. <laughs> uh, coachable asshole. I love... <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've always been here or if I'm just in my crotchety old man phase where I'm like, fine, fine I'm a three. And and looking at my grandpa, I'm like that makes perfect sense because he is like his floor is a two now and he just gives zero shits, zero filter. He's not afraid who he's going to offend. So maybe I'm headed in that direction and I'm just enjoy this while you can, guys, because it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that. I, I understand more as time goes on how people become crotchety old assholes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I sit and go down this rabbit hole in my mind where I, I'm really coming to terms with that that may happen. And I've been I've always been kind of a I would say I'm a people pleaser to some degree, like um. You're diplomatic. Yes, I can be, I can be very diplomatic and that's probably some, you know, weird trauma based people pleasing when approval sort of thing. But as time goes on, like sometimes I flip really hard the other way, uh, just as a result of like suppressing that. Right. You know, it's like comes out and it's like like a geyser. Yeah. Like I've, I've. I've lost my shit on some people over the last couple of years. I was like, that probably shouldn't have happened. And that was definitely more in the ASCON one or two range. Um, and I didn't really want to dip my toes in that water, but I, I did. Did you, uh, did you do the Jerry Maguire, Jim Brewer kind of thing where you're just like, you know what? <laughs> you, you, you're cool. <laughs> you, I'm out. Who's coming with me, man? <laughs> Jan. Thank you, Jan. You want to be my girlfriend, Jan? Okay. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, oh my God. I haven't so seen that good. so long. It's like, uh, John, that was John Stewart when he was like yeah. barely, you know, anybody knew who he was right. hardly. Before before he was like highly political. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's a little guy in the bushes here, man. He's like ducking down. He's like, go, 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 go. <laughs> so good. So I referenced that um, a couple of weeks ago on a live because something pissed me off to the point where I threw my hat off and just like 
got my hair like super super messed up and i was i was very jim brewer uh i was channeling him right then it was like flock of seagulls meets jim brewer yeah what was, is it how high is that is that what it is or is it dazed and confused i can't remember the name oh no i don't remember i don't remember help us out comment let us know what the actual title of that I, is. i don't know if i've seen that one mr nice time mr nice guy uh it's one with dave Chappelle. Yeah. oh half-baked half-baked oh okay. thank you okay. jesus oh yeah. I, i'm like I, that's the movie i was talking about before i was like yeah. is this the same movie i could not remember the name of okay. it for the life of me cool which i think uh it's kind of on brand with the we with should, the movie we right? should well, i'm gonna watch that movie in abba zabba you my only friend <laughs> I would love to watch that movie. I don't know if I can get Candy Thunder on board because it's oh, it's like dumb funny. It's so dumb. It's not really her her jam. Mm, so it's, it, I'll have to watch it myself. We'll see. It, you're the, you're one of the only people I think that has ever gotten a reference in my Instagram uh, handle by Steve Goodpart. Oh yeah, from uh, Multiple yeah, Nobody has seen that movie. <sighs> I, I ask people, I think you ever seen that movie? It's because I'll, I'll make a joke about like, bye, Steve. Good party. Yeah. Thanks for the pizza, Steve. Or <laughs> like pizza. sorry, Steve. They're like going to have to come off. And uh, people never like, what do you they just think? I'm demented. Uh, it, uh, that's so know. sad because it's such a good movie. So good. But it is kind of like a niche thing. I like a not not a lot of people have seen it. And if we polled the yeah. people in the who's in seen the multiplicity right yet? Tell us that. Have, have you, you seen, seen multiplicity? It? And if you haven't, why haven't you seen it? That's and, right. And, and you should watch. If it. you haven't, when are you going to watch it? It's fantastic. So for for Halloween at some point, maybe next year, oh. you need to get like the the leather pilot thing oh. and the goggles and and yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you, we need four guys yes. to dress up and exactly go together. Like, yeah. Oh my god. That would be fantastic. That would be the best costume. You got to walk around with floppy pizza the whole time. Oh, yeah. somebody's got a saw in the the goggles and then somebody's in like a leather jacket and then yes. just regular construction uh, michael what's his name uh keaton michael keaton yeah yeah he's wow. got he's got like the yeah he's got like the 90s dad flannel kind of yeah uh, yeah just casual yeah we need to do that oh that would be so great okay i got it though yeah i got i love that movie. don't forget we gotta do that <laughs> well it's on it's on video now we'll always be able to come back and relive this and reference it <laughs> Okay, we'll dive into our very first story of the day here. Candy Thunder said that uh, instead of putting a bunch of dark, spicy, like serious asshole stuff in here, she she gave us some more lighthearted stories today that we can have fun with. So okay. we'll see what happens. Uh, our first story of the day is from the AITA subreddit, and it is titled, Am I the astronaut for pulling my offer to loan my daughter-in-law money after she called me a control freak? About a year ago, my daughter-in-law opened a restaurant. My son is not involved and works full-time. I've eaten there when I visited their city and was not impressed. The food is decent but inconsistent, and that's about the only thing I can say about her place. The soup is always lukewarm, and sometimes the dishes are hotter than the food. The staff was rude and spent most of their time either on their phone or in groups talking. This meant it took longer than necessary to clean tables after diners have already left. On my last visit, the table next to me was empty yet full of dirty dishes for the duration of my meal. The restroom was never clean on any of my visits and was out of soap more times than it had soap. Last night, I had my children and their families over for Sunday dinner. During this visit, my daughter-in-law asked me for a $100,000 loan for her restaurant. She told me how her business is inconsistent and that's caused her to burn through their savings. We spoke for a while until I offered to loan it to her, but with some changes. I told her about the problems I listed above and options on how to fix them. She got very agitated at this and sarcastically asked how many restaurants I've owned. I didn't appreciate her response, so I answered none, but I've never skydived before, but know enough to not jump out of a plane without a parachute. 
That got the attention of everyone at the dinner table. Eventually, she said the restaurant is hers. She doesn't need suggestions from someone who's never ran one before. I'll give her this point. And then I'm a control freak to try to tell her what to do with her own business. At this point, I withdrew my loan offer at, and dinner was pretty much over. And they left to go home instead of the original plan of staying until Tuesday. I haven't heard from my son this morning, but his siblings are split on the issue. Some said it's my choice to loan or to loan or not loan her the money, but I shouldn't tell her what she needs to do. Others said that I'm right if I'm putting my money at risk. I have a say on how she's running her place. What do you think? Uh, I, uh, I don't think she's an asshole at all. Ascon three and a half. Uh, three and a half? Right. I mean, convince me otherwise, but like to me, this is a no brainer. Mm. Um, it's we're talking a hundred thousand dollar loan to somebody dumping that money into an existing business. I think wanting to vet the business and make sure that she knows what she's doing and it's going to be money well spent is completely reasonable. I think the daughter-in-law is a total douche. I, I agree with you. I, this doesn't even feel like it's for debate for me. Like I, as an investor, I would want to, I would ask these questions. I would, if I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars, I would want you, I, I would expect that you are going to take some feedback from me. Um, and if you want a no strings attached business loan, don't go to your mother-in-law, go to the bank and ask for some money like a Truth. grown up. But what is the, what is the bank going to do? The bank's going to look harder at your numbers. Yeah. And, and your collateral no. and figure out, yeah, if, I, I assume that if she's going to her mother-in-law, that the bank isn't an option for those reasons. But also, there is a split here. And I think there's a difference between an investor and and a loan provider, right? An investor mm -hmm. does have some say, maybe depending on how that arrangement is made. There are silent investors to silent partners. Uh, but when it comes to family... This is if you're asking family for money, there's more risk involved, right? So I think in this case, OP is risking $800,000. And if I'm going to risk $100,000 on anything, I mean, that's that's like a home loan, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's that's an insane amount of money to casually ask someone for and not be willing to accept any kind of criticism or input there. I would want the input of someone who had found success in life to the point where they were able to lend a hundred thousand dollars and yeah. be like, okay, so, so what can I do better? Obviously I've, I've gotten myself into this position and things need to change. Things need to improve. So, so help me get there. You oh wise one who have found success in life, but she's, she's got an ego problem here. Huge. And that's what I was say. Ego problem is, is kind of going to be the barrier here for her, obviously for her to immediately not be able to take the feedback, um, and to just expect her to give her a hundred thousand dollars without any sort of contingencies that just tells me, no, I don't want to give you a hundred. I mean, for me, like at that moment, if that's her immediate response, I do understand on, on the ego side of it. Cause I can, I can have some ego sometime and I, I to test being told what to do. I am t like, I immediately am like, mm -mm, no, you didn't. Right. Like in everything inside of me just pushes back on that. And sometimes that is a struggle for me to take good feedback. Uh, and it's hard. I've over time have had to learn how to not take things as personally, but I still struggle with that. Like, even if, uh, even if I'm like working through it, my immediate reaction is, Oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. Right. Like, mm. ugh, they hate me. I'm trash. Why can't I just be better? Um, so that's a big challenge for me, but 
so if you come at me and I'm like, hey, I need $100,000, and, and depending on how you approach the conversation of giving me the feedback, I can also understand where the reaction of her may be. Sure. Like, I might have had a... We weren't there. We don't know what her right. reaction was really like. Maybe it was just like... Uh, obviously, it's probably a sensitive issue because she's she's also probably pouring everything she has. I mean, as a business owner, you know what that feels like to pour everything you have yep. and feel like you're not getting any traction and that can be a, a crappy place to be in. Right. And then somebody comes along and wants to tell you how to run your business better. That's a, that's a tender. So that's a live wire, right? Yeah. Like, well, so. cause you can't help, but like the process of being able to detach that from your ego and from yourself is, is really, really difficult. And to be able to accept feedback and criticism about your business and not take it as a personal attack is is tough and it's something that requires i think a lot of wisdom and experience on life clearly she's not there yet and and maybe op maybe there was a more delicate approach with that in mind to say there's no way for her to separate this and not take it personally because it is her business maybe it was okay look i will i will agree to loan you this money if we can create an agreement where you allow me to consult and help you fix fix issues with the business and not list what those problems were right then mm -hmm. because because she clearly took that as a personal attack it needs to be done those things need to be fixed she needs to be aware that other people are noticing those things and the fact that she's not noticing them given what the problems were like tables full of dirty dishes and people just not doing their jobs it needs to be brought to her attention that's part of the problem that's part of why she's in the position that she's in right now and she needs to know about it so the one one side of me thinks like rub some dirt on it and walk it off this is a hard lesson you need to learn and another side of me is like well you could have played this a, a little bit more like a long game and and had better results with it op i don't think she should have done it differently i think she could have done it differently and maybe that's that would technically put her in ask on four i don't think she's the asshole here though it could have been approached differently to deal with this kind of personality. Not necessarily should have, but could have. Right. Delivering feedback can be hard. Yeah. Right? I'm delivering it well. And there's not, there's not a, t there's a short list of people in my life that can consistently give me feedback without me feeling attacked. Mm. Right. I mean, and, and that's, that's, that's a me problem more than it is anybody else. But there have been plenty of people in my life that have, um, have come along and given me feedback and it's like, Oh, I, okay. I welcome that feedback from you. Thank you. Right. Um, what's the difference do you think? Is it, is it like the respect you have for them or is it their delivery? Yes. <laughs> uh, both. Both. Yeah. yeah like, I get you. yeah. And I think like the respect I have for someone and really, just a little sidebar here. I mean, the respect you have for someone shouldn't necessarily dictate your willingness to take their feedback. Right. So that's where, again, I think that's sort of a fault of me. Like I should be able to take feedback from anybody. Doesn't mean I have to apply it or agree with them or think, yeah, uh, that's true. And I need to change that about myself, but it, I still think there's always an opportunity, good feedback, bad feedback. Feedback is love in that regard. Even if it, it's coming in a hostile fashion, like right. learning how to accept that feedback in a positive way. I think is just part of maturity. Yeah. Realizing, Hey, okay, that's, that is a, that's an observation about me that I can't see in myself. But if one person is willing to stand up and say that this is what they see about me, maybe there are others that are having the same experience and I need to be more yeah. conscious of that. So, but that ego, especially in an immature phase is a huge barrier to self-improvement, right? Yeah. So I think you have to be open to self-improvement to be able to receive that criticism 
and and want to improve on whatever it is that they're criticizing you about. In this case, she didn't invite it, and that's why she wasn't she was you know she wasn't open to that. Obviously, she needs to be. And as a business owner, that is a tough lesson you need to learn. There are problems. There are problems that you need to fix. And uh, and in this case, rather than fix her business problems, she walked away from a hundred thousand dollars. Yes. Which says pretty much everything you need to know about her ego and attitude and maturity and where this business is going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. And so for for the OP here, I, I think there's an opportunity that the reaction that was received is I just I think even the fact that she's asking this question is probably a good thing. But the question that's being asked is an opportunity uh, for you to receive feedback, right? Like something about the way you approach that conversation. True. Yep. True didn't land. Uh, and I, but I don't think there was anything wrong about the conversation. I mean, it's, it's your money. You have every right to know where it's going and want to hear what the plan is for the money. If she was going to a, a hard money lender as an investor, they would want a whole lot more from her than here are a couple of ideas I have for you. Good luck, kiddo. Um, and so I don't think anything you said was unreasonable, but I think also you're at a point in your business where you're actively soliciting a hundred thousand dollar loan from a family member you are probably under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and you're not in a good place and so i just don't think she probably was in the right mindset to receive that that feedback right. either um hopefully she comes to her senses or she's gonna lose her business um because somebody's gonna have to give her that feedback and she's gonna have to learn how to receive it yeah so i mean op could approach this from a different angle and and offer to be an investor for in exchange for that kind of input and some control i don't think she wants to be a business partner with her daughter-in-law um and i don't think her daughter-in-law is open to having a business partner even though she probably needs one to help her run this thing because she doesn't know how um so it's it's kind of a stalemate you didn't do anything wrong op here you're not the asshole for doing that you're technically on nascon four because there were some other options not that you should have done but you could have done and i think that's it yeah did you have a lot of mentors as you were getting into business? I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I had, I had, um, I had a, a small group of people, especially whenever I was getting started and building up the confidence to make some major big moves in the beginning uh-huh. to really start my journey as a business owner that I met with like weekly. Um, and it was huge. It was a very, very big deal. And then we worked with uh, a business coach for 10 years as we started the business too. And that is a huge deal too. I think having someone as an outsider to bounce ideas off of, to help you look at problems and be open to, to hearing things that you need to hear in order to improve. I think you have to check your ego at the door somehow. You have to figure out a way to do that and separate yourself from your work and figure out that the ultimate goal for you has to be to improve every day. Yeah. And if you're not open to that, then what the hell are you doing? What's the point? Well, how did you, what was the biggest thing for you in overcoming ego in that? I mean, obviously as a young business owner, like surely you brought some of that to the table. Sure. Um, I think, I think, I think my biggest deal with, with ego was always like expectations versus reality. And I think that was, um, the hard lesson of thinking that you're just going to step into something and everything's going to magically work and you're going to be driving Ferraris and flying airplanes in a year and it's just going to be like magical and it's not like that at all and actually ours swung so far the other way that i'm thankful for it but 
a few months into us um us taking over the business that I, I had worked for 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 five six years um before owning the agency um a couple of months into us taking it over one of our our not one of our our by far largest client that made up probably 75 percent of our revenue disappeared oh geez it was a tribally owned business there was a tribal election new chief brought in a new casino gm new casino gm brought in their own marketing people and 75 percent of our revenue disappeared overnight and we ended up having to reinvent ourselves and eat beans and really start over uh and that was a very very humbling experience that i am very thankful for today because had that not happened i would have had to feel that pain in some other way over a longer period of time and i'd rather get those hard lessons over with quickly you know what i mean let's get the let's get all the hard shit out of the way so we could be slowly improving from that point later on and there are of course hard lessons still i think um not being able to control the economy at this point is like you know that's a tough lesson that that as a business owner you don't have control over and you have to find ways adapt to adapt around it and it's very hard it's very frustrating um and i think you just have to determine what you can and can't control and i think the the last thing i'm going too far on this but sorry i took us way down no, rabbit hole. You're, you're good it's it, i think it's insightful um the last thing that i had a big ego misconception about was about humans um and i think i had this I had this mentality that we've started this mission and uh and you know it's it's magnetic and anybody who we bring into the organization is going to drink the kool-aid and just be and like buy into it a thousand percent and and love it and feel it every bit as much as i do and it's just not that way for humans if if it's not their business and it's not their idea and if they don't have the skin into the game and it's not their stake it's a job it's a job to most people that they do and then they go home and they live their lives and it's not everything for them it is not tied into every fiber of their being and that was a tough lesson for me i'm like i'm like yeah we're gonna grow a team of people who are all jazzed up and like who are just like as obsessed with this as i am and that's just not it i never ever thought prior to starting in business ownership that that humans would be the biggest barrier to growth um, and they are it's just people humans and their and their problems and their lives and all of those things it's just that that will always be the biggest barrier to growth i think that i think that's always really difficult if you're an obsessive focused mm. pedal to the metal kind of person it's just like trying to figure out why why does everyone around me not give anywhere near as many as i do right and that's been a challenge for me is learning how to accept that too and like like people are very yeah, different man. yeah and yeah. and it's it's a very small percentage of people that i think are pedaled to the metal all the time yeah uh and there was there was a good quote that i heard the other day um and it was talking about um about highly motivated individuals and how how from the outside people look at highly motiv motivated individuals and think that they're crushing it all the time um but they're crushing it two percent of the time they're winning 2% of the time, 90% of the time they're getting kicked in the nuts. It's just uh, a big ball of mental illness. <laughs> yeah. They're getting kicked in the nuts and just like, and just really down on themselves and thinking about how much they yeah. suck and how much they need to do better. Um, 6% of the time, they don't know what the f going on. Um, and there's like another 2% in there somehow, but, but it's like, it's a very, very small percentage of, of actually winning. And the rest of the time is, is a very self-loathing process because 
because you're being hard on yourself to try to do better and to try to improve and to figure out what you did wrong and what you need to change. So it's it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. All right, we'll reset. We're going to take a short break and then uh, get ready for our second story here. We'll be right back. We're hopping back after our break here. And uh, the immediate question as we were walking into the studio, which, by the way, we had to wait until the smashing stopped upstairs. That's an ongoing conversation, but but it has it has ceased. There's a ceasefire upstairs for the moment, so we're gonna we're gonna try to get through the rest of our stories here. But Candy Thunder handed handed uh, Stevie Wonder a giant bag of candy, and I was like, "Here for for doing the podcast today." Uh, and she's like, "Why do you guys have so much candy?" And she said that it's something you should ask me, and we should talk about here. So here we go. Let's yeah, it's 390 pieces. It's a lot of candy. <laughs> so here's here's what happened uh, last year. Halloween, our neighborhood, um, our home has been there for a while, but the rest of the neighborhood finally got developed and filled out within the last year. So last year for Halloween was like the first Halloween when um, when we were a mostly complete new neighborhood and uh, and we did we did some marketing for the neighborhood to try to get trigger treaters because, you know, people go to the neighborhoods they know and not really new neighborhoods. So we wanted to attract some trick or treaters and we're, we're very successful, um, probably had 500 ish between three and 500 ish trick or treaters last year ran out of candy had to make like a like an oh shit run to dollar general and the neighborhood was so busy getting back to the house took way longer than it should have so in the meantime candy thunder's giving away everything we have like like her Belvita bars uh oh, like God. like just whatever she could find to give to her trick or treaters like a bottle of ranch dressing <laughs> yeah pretty much uh so definitely wanted to avoid that and also i don't know if you guys noticed but um but the price of candy this year was exponentially higher than i have ever seen it yeah and the math wasn't mathing whenever i was at walmart with navy thunder we were looking at halloween candy and i'm like like the chief stuff only comes in bags of like 30 pieces for six bucks now and I'm like that does not make sense the only way to make it economical at all was to get the gigantic bags so i stocked up and i'm like you know what i'm planning on 500 trick-or-treaters i'm gonna get like six giant bags of candy we're gonna be stocked up won't have to worry about it right we ended up having like maybe a hundred trick-or-treaters this year <laughs> so the amount of candy that we had as a surplus left over was a redonkulous amount so what you saw like it was a sealed bag but we have we have like two like tray totes at home full there are two tray totes at home or two tray totes on the uh the table up in the office too which is stuff that we brought up here afterwards and then we still have that bag and we may have another bag at home that hasn't been opened still so over planned this year obviously um and at one point um Candace's parents, Candy Thunder's parents came in and were helping hand out candy while we had Navy Thunder going around. The The teenagers were doing stuff with their friends. They were too cool for us. And uh, and her dad was like shoveling. Oops, sorry. It was like shoveling candy into kids buckets just to try to get rid of it. Right. And that's also awesome for a kid when it happens. But then we got a report that another neighborhood in town was crazy busy. And I was like, oh, crap. What if we have a late wave? Hmm. It's like we probably need to scale back a little bit on, on the shovelfuls that we're giving the kids just just to make sure that we're okay later on like two more kids came for the rest of the night so uh that strategy didn't work out either and we just had that much more candy left over so you get a giant bag of candy because i overplanned merry christmas to me now, it's good shit too there's it's, like yeah a, it's yeah. good i it's been a little bit since halloween now hopefully they have they, there's fruit and chocolate in the same bag you which, know i was surprised by that 
I, I know it's uh we'll see how it is but you like you two minutes get that, it, that uh, reese's flavored twizzler Ugh, it yeah. does happen. I hate that, dude. I have dreams about that flavor. I'm I'm surprised dreams, that they package those together. And really, I didn't think about it this year until Tony Sparks said something. And this is the first year that I've noticed that those flavors do creep into each other. I'm going to start a class action lawsuit <laughs> against the candy companies for doing that and just see if I can get people to, to jump in. You know, I mean, look at it this way. If if you had that bag uh, for Halloween, there were Twizzlers in there, right? Yeah. If you gave that to a kid who had a peanut allergy and it had absorbed some of the flavor of like a Reese's cup, would that transfer some of that like peanut trace to it? And that probably would be a class action thing. Yeah. Maybe if you have any listeners that have a kid with a peanut allergy that would want to join us <laughs> you a Twizzler. And, you know? oh, oh, you were going a different direction. We're going to go in this all together. We, <laughs> I was like, we're going to send you a Twizzler and test this Twizzler. out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We just need you to document what happens. We don't. We don't uh, do that. Yeah. We need you to document it. We have a couple peanut allergy kids, so uh, you guys, you guys uh-huh. do. Oh, yeah. Man. So we have to keep all the peanut stuff oh. separated out. That, that's one of them has stressful. grown out of it. One of them still has it. Like bad, like not like anaphylactic shock, okay. um, but had an aversion to it uh, as a younger kid, and would say that it made their mouth feel funny, and would get a little swollen by it. Okay, uh, but nothing, uh, nothing super, super serious. Okay, but, oh, but that's good. Anyway, that's the sh- the long story of why we had too much too much candy, candy. yes uh, and now now it's to the point where like i i i've been bad i've been real bad about like you know i'd see the basket up there and be like oh this looks good milk duds are my jam mm. so like i'd grab a box of milk duds one of the little tiny boxes with four duds in it uh but like a few times per day and finally i think it was yesterday or day before i was finally like i'm not doing it i, I like i've had way too much candy i just need to stop and i was really proud of myself and then the, at the end of the day it's like a handful of it. I'm like, damn it, I'm powerless against you. You are my kryptonite Halloween candy. Why for? Anyway, that's yeah. That's my, my my only thing is I the the Reese's uh the ghosts. The, the, the ghosts, the pumpkins, mm. the bat. When I was a when I was a kid, this is how old I am. When I was a kid, all we had was Reese's eggs at Easter. Mm-hmm. And that's all we had to look yeah. forward to all year. They was, didn't even have trees then. No, man. Trees weren't a thing. Heart now it's like there's hearts, there's uh, there's trees and bats and pumpkins yeah. and fourth of July. There's probably like sparklers or something. I don't know, but they're pretty accessible all year, but the magic hasn't worn off to me. I'm just, I'm just struggling more with my weight now. <laughs> thanks to accessibility. Do you like, uh, when it, when it comes to like the ghosts for Halloween, you like the, uh, the white chocolate ghost or the normal chocolate one? I detest white really? chocolate uh I mean, detest is a strong word i don't uh, regard white chocolate as part of the chocolate fa- family <laughs> all right it's ironically the black sheep of the chocolate family uh is, despite it being white chocolate so I, the the team here is the exact opposite oh. they're like they're like oh the white chocolate ghosts are are like the holy we grail cut this part you have you have your own tastes man um i i love them both equally i think the white ghosts look the coolest List. they I mean, do look cool they I mean, make it makes more, sense they make yeah. more sense but i i don't know it's just not natural <laughs> it ain't right it ain't, it ain't right and i'm not okay with it i'm done all right let's dive over to our next story here we do have three more to go so okay. hell yeah three more three more oh sweet we have four total yeah four four look tucks. at that you okay. were just saying you you wish I wanted we had an four. extra i always feel like the first one is a burner for me like yeah. there's no way i'm ready to it's a warm-up conversations it's a warm-up yeah we'll see we'll see what happens here 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This story is from the AITA subreddit again and is titled, Am I the Askinaut for Telling My Daughter-in-Law She Wasn't Invited Since She Is an Embarrassment at Dinners Since She Is a Picky Eater? That's what I tell my kids. <laughs> That's like, it was just harsh from the, from the get-go here. <clears throat> my son is on my ass, so I'm writing here for different opinions. My son has been married for two years at this point. We get along as well as water and oil. I just keep my distance because I don't like dealing with her. Well, as far as context goes, that pretty well just uh, just sets the scene pretty well, huh? Oh, so so this it's is the, oh, it's the daughter-in-law daughter that yeah. is not. Okay. I, I'm like, okay. Daughter-in-law. She is a horribly picky eater. I don't know why, but I truly don't care because she is a pain at restaurants. We try to go anywhere and we have to change places multiple times so she can have something to eat. She makes the waiters go through hoops and she so she will have something she likes and if anything is wrong she will bitch about it or pout in the corner. Example, she got a quesadilla, removed everything in it, and when it came out she sent it back because there was sour cream on the side. It wasn't touching anything and she made a huge deal about her food being wrong. She doesn't have allergies either. What really made me dislike her is that she complained about the food at a funeral. <laughs> They had a sandwich spread, but went on about it's gross multiple times. So I had dinner yesterday and I invited everyone but my son's wife. Son wasn't invited either, but he was on a business trip. My other daughter-in-law posted it online and I got a call from daughter-in-law. She was pissed that I didn't invite her and asked why. I told her it's due to her being an embarrassment at dinners and I won't be inviting her to dinners. She called me a jerk and hung up. Now my son is on my ass and I'm wondering if I should apologize or not. Edit. I'm going to say it. It doesn't matter if she has an eating disorder or is on the spectrum. Both those groups know how to act at a funeral or at a restaurant. It may be harder, but they can. Top comment here is N-T-A. She openly complained about the sandwich spread at a funeral. That's all you have to point out to her and to your son and to anyone else who challenges you on this. She either behaves at mealtime like a decent human being or you for one will not be inviting her to dinner. What do you think? Oh, man. So uh, the question was, uh, was am I the astronaut for telling my daughter-in-law she wasn't invited since she's an embarrassment at dinners, since she's a picky eater? 
I'm, I'm really hung up on the complaining about this, the spread at a funeral. Mm-hmm. And I'm just imagining like leaving a Yelp review at a funeral, like Uncle Charlie's funeral, zero out of five stars, would not eat here again. <laughs> zero out of 10 would not recommend. Yeah. yeah. No Michelin stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like her. Yeah. I, I don't, the daughter-in-law, I don't like her. So I'm, I'm really, what's your, what's your take? I'm having a hard time. Not just immediately. I, I kind of agree with the not the asshole comment right off the too. cuff, but I could be persuaded. Um, the the OP has a tone uh, about the way this is written too that makes me question the reality of the situation a little bit. Um, and I'm not. I can't quite put my finger on what it is. I, I think the tone is fed up. Yeah, and I think that's, that's. I think it. that's the point here. And and unfortunately, you know, with all these stories, we only ever get one side. Well. Sometimes we get two sides, but it's extremely rare. Um, but but we have to. This is the information we have, so we have to assume that everything is is correct here. Sometimes they'll say something that that leads us to believe that there's more going on, um, and we have to speculate there. But I think we can assume that this is all accurate right now. The one place I think that OP got it wrong here was really in the title, um, and that was it, it was what she said to her, but it was, am I the astronaut for telling my daughter she wasn't invited since she is an embarrassment at dinners since she is a picky eater. I don't think it's necessarily the picky eating. That's the problem here. I think it is her attitude and lack of respect toward people, toward wait staff, toward anyone. When it comes to food, she yeah. turns into a rage beast. She turns into an absolute Karen and just does not care how she comes across or doesn't care to to employ her manners at all she puts people through hell she's difficult and it seems like is intentionally difficult the world revolves i think Absolutely. like the action of the the world sort of revolves around her certainly uh, radiates out to other elements of her life right yes. like oh for sure i mean this is a this is a symptom not the sickness itself agreed which know? begs the question son how's your marriage doing yeah. Right. Like, how is the rest of your life going? Because this is just food. What's everything else like? Because if she's like this in more than just food or even just food, but frequently homeboy has to be the most miserable guy on the planet. And I could see and we've seen in situations like this where where he's on his mom's ass to, to apologize, to make it right. Not because he disagrees with her, because he has to feel the pain that the situation caused because of proximity. It's his wife. He's going to be the one to receive the brunt of her being unhappy here. So he's going to do whatever it takes to remove that. So he doesn't have to feel pain anymore. It's not because you're wrong, mom. It's because he's selfish and wants the bullshit to end. Hmm. Should we unwrap this a little further? Do it. Okay. All right. So like a cheeseburger so, or a sandwich. Uh, all right. A funeral. So, all right, go on this journey with me. All right. Mom has a tone in this message. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, she's, I think what I think with the tone, I think what really irritates me about it is she's fed up. I think you're right about mm-hmm. that. But I also cannot stand uh, passive aggressive actions. Mm. And this is like if my solution is instead of confronting you about being a, f- uh, a you can do <clears throat> we'll language, it. okay, we'll like, bleep it. Being a, just an absolute <laughs> self-centered, everything's about you person if your solution to that is just to be like well i'm not going to invite you to dinner anymore because you're an embarrassment to this family i i don't like that that and that like that is a that is a characteristic that i 
I cannot stand in people. Like I, I would like to know where I stand with you. I, what I appreciate about people that are like outright assholes is at least I know where I stand with them. That's true. And I don't have to go through that like mental warfare of like, do they like, and like back to the people pleasing thing. Do they like me? Do they dislike me? What did I do? Why did I upset them? Uh, there are things inside of me that are particularly oriented to do that. And I, I don't know where that comes from or why that is that way. But, um, I have a feeling that growing up in this environment, with this passive aggressive sort of parentage, mm-hmm. there is a reason that he puts up with this shit from his wife, your daughter-in-law. And there are probably some things about the, the OP needs to explore about their own way of conducting themselves in the world. So in this particular instance, I think maybe not the asshole, but I think if we peel back a few layers, there's probably some things inside that need to be evaluated, uh, how you yourself are navigating the world and your relationships. I think there's, I agree with that. And there's, I I had to scroll back up to see, did she ever speak up? Did she ever address this with her son or with with anyone? Did she? No, she just says, I keep my distance because I don't like dealing with her. So that 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 has been the the passive aggressive way of dealing with it is to just not deal with it. And I mean, there's nothing that says that she has to invite her to a function that she's putting on. However, by not doing so, she also accepts whatever come what may comes along with that. Right. Right. Knowing that there will be some kind of ramification if she finds out about it and that she's going to be butthurt about it. That was that was a risk that she accepted by not inviting her. The risk of inviting her would have been. You know, risking her acting like an asshat while she was there and being rude and, and ruining the time for everyone. So she she accepted the lesser of the risks in her mind, which was the blowback or potential blowback. <clears throat> I think it's a conversation that has to happen with her son, though. Yeah. And be like, look, here's my problem. And maybe this isn't a conversation she can have directly with daughter in law, because daughter in law seems like the kind of person that if you had this conversation with would immediately victimize herself in. And maybe I'm just taking that from OP's kind of the way that she paints the portrait of daughter-in-law here, but maybe it's the kind of conversation that she needs to have with her son and be like, look, um, I will invite her to things. She is allowed to come to things only if X, Y, Z. Right. And then let the son reinforce that. I don't know when it comes to in-laws, you know, I'm not an in-law yet. I'm not a father-in-law yet. Thank goodness. Um, when it comes to being an in-law, I'm sure it is difficult and delicate to communicate with, with the significant others of your children. I'm sure, I'm sure that that takes uh, a delicate hand. Yeah. What would you do though? Would you rather communicate directly with the daughter-in-law and be like, look, you little shit, here's what's going to happen. I think it like a, I think in a healthy dynamic, that's probably what needs to happen. And I don't think the conversation is like that, like an ultimatum, like just be a big girl and eat your food and don't be such a bitch about it. You know, I don't think that's probably the conversation that needs to happen. But I also think that, if it's that troubling to her that she's gotten to the point where she's just like, well, I'm not going to invite her to dinner Mm -hmm. anymore, you know, like, okay, that's a little, that's pretty passive aggressive. Like there's multiple points in the story. I don't like dealing with her. She's a horrible pick. A horrible is an unnecessary word here that to me, I'm going to, I'm going to psychoanalyze this here. She calls her a horrible picky eater. It feels really personal, right? Sure. She's a picky eater. All right. You have clearly repressed your feelings about this for too damn long. Yeah. And now you're blowing up. Right. Like, yeah. uh, and, and again, like to me, 
I'm trying to think of an example of this. All right. Have you ever been around like really passive aggressive people? Have you had passive aggressive people like go oh, thinking back to your growing up? Sure. Can you think of a passive aggressive person in your life? Sure. Did you learn how to caretake for that person and like take care of their feelings in subtle ways that maybe you didn't even realize till you're an adult? I don't know. Okay. Um, well, it's pretty common when, when people grow up with, unpredictable environments, mm -hmm. right? You see this in cases of like severe abuse, but you also see this in cases of uh, subtler abuse, right? Um, Which is where you're classifying like yes, passive aggressiveness. Yes, yeah. passive aggressiveness, right? Like you learn to, you learn to manage the temperature. And I think for me, I think that's where some of my, my people pleasing tendencies come from is you learn to take care of people's feelings in a room. Mm -hmm because you're hyper vigilant and aware of those feelings. And when you're doing that all the time, you start to invite that sort of personality into your circle mm. unknowingly, right? You people draw to you that you do that for, uh, because you do that and other people right. don't, right? It's, it's kind of like this, uh, these, I don't know, it was like a push pull sort of dynamic there where you, you caretake. And so I'm imagining the son growing up with this, OP and we're probably way, way down the rabbit hole here, but like taking care of these feelings yeah. and being, you know, used to doing that. And he's probably not able to advocate for himself very well. Right. So he's drawn to this girl that is in a weird way, a mirror of you as this passive aggressive mother. And like, I don't know, man, she would yeah. love to hear that. She, she would love this. She, yeah. She would look me in the love. face, lady. This is what's what I'm going to tell you how it is. She would love to hear like that. This, this girl that she hates so much is, <sighs> is an augmented mirror of her, but you, you marry your right. parents. Yeah. You yeah. marry your parents. You could be right here. Uh, and it, it could be, it could be something where he, he attracted her because of because of his mother. It could it could be that simple in here. And that could also explain why why they're like oil and water, because people who are very similar don't get along well. Usually. Yeah. There can't be two of you. Right. If there were two of me, we would fight all the time. Right. I would I would kick my own ass. Right. <laughs> I'd be like, man, that guy's a dick. Well, I think in this case, the world can't revolve around both of you at the same time. So mm. that would be pretty troubling. Okay. So then you get into a whole nother kind of mother-in-law narrative where we're the typical narrative that we see with mother-in-laws is that they buck against the significant others of their children because it's, you know, a form of jealousy. They want their, they want their children's world to revolve around them still and view the significant others as the person who stole them away. Mm. So there's this, there's always this, um, not a vendetta, but resentment, uh, toward them because of that subconsciously and maybe that goes into this too we are going so yes. far well this. and then these types of things tend to expose things like have you found okay surely you have this is a rhetorical question but as a parent all of the ways that watching your children act out your bad tendencies mm. is just like an explosion in your <laughs> face of realizing your own shit right your own, uh, your own yeah. trauma and being like and those things are so incredibly triggering like the things that are the things that set me off when my kids push back or like just do something that irritates the hell out of me and you're like you're just in a fury about it and it's like wait a minute it's me right I, it's it's because i'm like it's like i'm looking in a mirror and seeing the things that are antagonizing to me about myself 
And you're acting them out in front of me because I gave them to you. Oh my God. You know, like, and so we now we have a second generation of that happening. Not only your kids, but like the kids that they married and then eventually your grandchildren. Yes. I'm sure like all of those things have a way of being a whole set of brand new triggers that I'm just not in any way equipped to And this navigate. is where the movie Multiplicity makes perfect <sighs> sense as another tie-in, right? Yeah. It's like a copy of a copy of a copy, copy of a copy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Yeah, that's where you get Steve. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Bye, Steve. Good party. <laughs> I like pizza, Steve. I like pizza. I like it. Uh so so oddly enough, uh, I know exactly what you're saying because um Candace Candy Thunder and I are are at an age now to where as parents, like we know to slow down and pay more attention to things, uh, and we're more observant about things. Life is still crazy, um, but it's just a different kind of experience now. Navy Thunder got the best of both of us and the worst of both of us and nothing in between <laughs> so she, she got the very very best of us and the very very worst of us and she she displays all of those things often and when it's the very very worst of us that she's displaying you can't help but just laugh about it and be like hey that's you or that's me i'm sorry um but I get it in this case, it is a, I think what you have to ask yourself, OP is how is important, how important is a healthy relationship with your son? And what is that worth? Mm -hmm. And is it worth putting up with the torture of, of tolerating this girl that he chose to spend his life with? Or if you absolutely will not deal with that, implement some kind of boundary, but it has to be a discussion and not one that's passive aggressive because you're right. The, um, the risk here was the blowback and you chose that you chose the path of potential blowback by doing what you did in the passive aggressive way that you did it. I'm not saying that it's wrong, not saying that the way that she behaves is right, but if you're going to navigate this situation, you've got to be part of a solution and not part of the problem. In this case, you chose to be part of the problem. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. Well said. Likewise. Yeah. We're good at this. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Steve. Good, good job, Dusty. <laughs> good job, Steve. All right, we're gonna go ahead and mount to our next story here. We just keep it rocking and rolling, so we don't get too distracted talking about bloat or candy or hmm. things like that. Uh, this story is another one from the AITA subreddit and is titled "Am I the astronaut for accidentally spoiling the gender of our baby?" <clears throat> hmm. Lurker here, as my husband is familiar with Reddit. I got the results of my NIPT blood work today, and we both agreed with the doctor at the time that we would like to know the baby, that we would like to know the gender of the baby. The doctor called me while my husband was away and said that the results looked good, and she would email me the results shortly after. The email landed, and I looked through the results in excitement and saw that we were having a boy. When my husband got back from work, I greeted him at the door and told him the good news. He was unhappy that I spoiled the surprise for him and that I robbed him of the moment. He wanted us to go through the results together, which he did not tell me. I apologized and said I just got excited to know that our baby is healthy and that we can still go look at the results together. He said there was no point. The moment is gone and that I never think when it comes to situations like this. He proceeded to call me inconsiderate and selfish. I apologized again, saying that it didn't mean to hurt his feelings or ruin the surprise. I just thought he'd be happy knowing our baby is healthy and happy no matter the gender. The last thing he said to me was that I'm now responsible for buying all the baby's things because I spoiled the surprise for him. It's been three hours and he hasn't said a word to me. I feel so guilty that I might have robbed him of a chance to celebrate, but at the same time, is this really the thing to be upset about? Am I the astronaut? Please be honest. Edit 
Thank you for all your comments and feedback. It's certainly giving me given me a lot to think about. I'm sorry I could not respond to everyone, but I will try to read everyone's comments in the morning when I've gotten some sleep. I have already contacted a therapist for myself for the time being. Thank you again for your insights. It's deeply appreciated. Top comment. Initially, I was going to go with NAH, no assholes here. You were excited and didn't do it on purpose, but he feels like he missed out on a moment. All of those feelings are valid, but then I kept reading. Calling you names and refusing to get involved with buying things for the baby is a dick move, no matter how you look at it. It's a tantrum. Call him out on it. You're having a child. Once the birth has taken place, you won't have the time or capacity to coddle and placate an adult toddler, too. You are NTA. How is it spoiling the surprise just because she knew it a few hours earlier? Like, couldn't he be surprised? By her telling it to him, why does he insist on having to read it off the chart himself? Thoughts? I'm I'm gonna say not the asshole. Uh, I agree with that. I'm just trying to read this a lot. Initially, I was going to go with N A H. No assholes here. Like like nobody sucks. You were ex- oh oh I see. Okay, the, so the opposite. Okay. I was of, like I thought they were changing. Like they, it seems like they stuck with not the asshole through the three. Yeah. No assholes here. Yeah. So it's like the opposite of everybody sucks here. Nobody yeah, sucks here. I, I would. I think that's a. I think that's a good concise comment. Initially, I would say nobody's the asshole. This was just an honest mistake. But then like he decided to go a different direction with this and have a tantrum. Um, and like talk about. Talk about not like giving somebody a little bit of grace for an innocent enough mistake. I I can't I can't perceive like how what her actions were were malicious or could even be perceived as being malicious. Like I I don't know, man. There's like some contempt there or something going on in that dude's world that he needs to address. He's freaking out. Yeah, I think this is him freaking out. Um, but it's like he didn't communicate that he wanted it to be a surprise at all to her. He didn't communicate that he wanted it to be to for them both to learn it at the exact same time. So yeah. his expectation was for her to get that email and not open it until he got home. But he never communicated that to her. It's like, how dare you not do this thing that I didn't tell you I wanted you to do, which is a dick move. But then, like our, our top commenter here said, then for him to to act like a child about it. And not speak to you and be like, well, now you get to you get to be responsible for buying all the baby's things. That is a super childish dickhead asshole move. Like, yeah. grow the f- dude. You're getting ready to have a kid. You don't get to act like this anymore. Also, I have a major problem with dudes treating their significant others like this when they're pregnant. Yeah. Like your pregnant partner here is already going through a lot biologically and emotionally and the hormones are going crazy. Like you deciding to act like this when they're already at a volatile time is a, just another layer of brozo douchiness and grow up. Yeah. You are going to have to be much more of a supporter here and you guys are on the same team, but right now you've got the memes and that is not uh this is not, you don't have a team player right now. OP. Uh, on your side and that sucks hopefully he gets his head out of his ass uh, by the time they pull a head out of your not ass um, and <laughs> and he he pulls it all together here and decides to like grow up and be a dad hopefully that happens because right now he's just an asshole acting like a toddler and i think this is him just freaking out but that's me giving him the benefit of the doubt of not being a true douche canoe um, and him just just trying to cope by being an asshole which is not healthy but but it's it's a it's a scary time for guys too, you know. Uh, especially this could this could also have to do with with the gender of the baby. 
he could be he could be freaking out a little bit because it's a boy right it could be it could be something with that um so who knows well, expand on that what, what why what uh i want to hear that story for a second what, so, what are you thinking here well i think a lot of people whenever the gender of their baby comes out uh maybe he had a shit father uh and and a lot of times whenever the gender aligns with with some kind of traumatic memory or person in their lives they feel like they're going to genetically pass down this this evil or whatever it is to them or maybe he hates himself that much so when he finds out he's having a son he's like damn it and just copes by lashing out maybe that's the case there i think there i have read some stories where some people you know, are afraid of, of a gender of a baby because of, of passing down some things like that. Not that you're going to not pass down those things anyway, regardless of the gender of the baby. But I think it, it I think it increases the scariness for some people who have been through some gender specific, gender specific trauma. Right. Right. Yeah. This guy's an idiot though. Like grow I'm, the f- I'm, just try, I'm just trying to think, do you remember, do you remember, um, do you remember your experience emotionally when you found out you were having your first, what do you remember about that? I was, you were pretty young, right? I was 19 whenever I found out and 20 whenever he was born. No. Yeah. I was getting ready to turn 20 whenever we found out and um, was 20 whenever he was born. Um, so it was, it was scary as fuck. Like obviously not an intentional thing. So, um, and, and I flipped out like it was uh, uh, not just, not just like, struggle to to deal with the reality but like not know what to do with my life at that moment um and i think i probably went through a couple of months of just of just acting out like an idiot not being mean but 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 not knowing what i wanted to do with my life and just kind of free floating for a minute before finally deciding that i I needed to grow up um and be a dad i think uh when you're young, it is especially frightening and you don't know how to process that information or deal with things. And a kid is like, you've, you've changed multiple people's lives in that moment, right? You're, you're going to be responsible for raising a child. Now you are, you are forever attached in some capacity to the person that you're having this child with. It is a lot. It means a lot. Like you're, you have just signed up for something in your life that is going to last a lifetime. Uh, and, and dealing with that is scary as hell in this case. Like he's already known that she was pregnant, right? It's still becoming more real. Maybe. And maybe he's just repressed it until this moment because she doesn't talk about him freaking out prior to this moment. Maybe this is when it all just geysered out. Maybe that's the case here. So the whole world revolving around this thing. There's a lot of pressure, Yeah. right? All of a sudden feeling like it's not about just you anymore. And like having these tiny micro realizations that everything in your life is now dictated by somebody else's needs. Right. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. And there's also this, you know, there's also, it takes longer to, to figure out that you no longer get to put yourself first. Mm. That takes longer. Maybe that's a little bit coming into play here too. Um, But by, by flipping out about that, he's acting completely selfish Maybe he's just trying to absorb the last moments of selfishness that he gets to express here. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you remember, do you remember distinct moments where there were those, those acting outs of you grasping for that last bit of selfishness, like the world revolving around you before it happened? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think for me it was, um, 
I'm buying guitars that I did not need. I didn't even know you played guitar. Uh, I fiddle. Okay. No pun. Fiddle or guitars? <laughs> guitars. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I was a trumpet player um, and then in college ended up putting the trumpet down and picking up the guitar because I thought it was cooler um, and and never got good, but can play some things on it. But at that at that time, I was like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to be a guitar player and had like four guitars um, of, of various kinds hanging on a wall that I did not need, nor should have been my priority at the time. But it was it was my like last ditch effort at being completely selfish. Uh, and I regret it now. It obviously was, you know, a douchey move to place my my focus there. But it, I think that was part of me freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So so initially um, you won me over a little bit on giving this guy a chance to to breathe, because initially I just wanted to call him out and say this dude's a little bitch run. Well, no, that too still. Uh, well, no, but I'm going to back off on that. I think I think his actions were completely unacceptable and childish and immature. But I think also if he can realize that and and accept the feedback around that and grow from that, I don't think it's fair for me looking back and, and putting myself into that situation and remembering some of those feelings and, and the weight of those things as you're describing them is an incredibly difficult time to be a dude and... I'm not saying it's not an incredibly difficult time to be a woman in that I think, but I think that's pretty obvious, but I, I think it's really easy to, to downplay and dismiss some of, I think what goes through a dude's mind through that experience. And I think that's worth exploring that maybe this, maybe this reaction wasn't a reaction to this specific thing, but it's a cumulative effect of all of these feelings, just geysering out. Like right. that's what you said, geysering out of him at the same time. Um, guys rings now sounds a little dirty. It sounds, Maybe we yeah, need to find a different guy, term. that's how we got into this pickle in the first place. <laughs> you, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> keep your guys in your pants, buddy. <laughs> that's right. This is a family establishment. Okay. All right. Uh, but I, I know what you're saying, but, but um, I do think there's just to be clear, there's nothing about his actions that were acceptable. It's childish, right. especially the bit about like, you can buy all this stuff for the baby now, yeah. but like maybe I want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt in that, like, maybe he just needs to talk to somebody and like, I wish I'd had somebody to talk to when I was growing, mm -hmm. going through that. Like, like you should, if when it, when it's found out that you're about to have a baby, you should be automatically assigned a therapist with an OBGYN or something. Uh, uh that's a damn good idea. Yeah. Well, even if that. you have like, I, I could have talked to my, my dad and been like, how did you cope with this? But I think at that time you never, I never even thought to do that. You don't even know what questions to ask, right? right? Like, yeah. it's like you need you need someone to pull you aside and be like, "All right, here's what's happening, yeah. and here's what you're going to feel, and it's going to be weird, and you're going to want to run, and you're going to want to just like flip the out, but but just hang in there." We should be so much more intentional about doing that for other dudes really than should. we probably are. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like so I'm just, just like a, I'm feeling a little guilty good now, luck, like bro. all the dudes in my life that have like gone through that, and I haven't been like, hey. um, I can be here for you, even though you're not going to know how to ask. Right. Because you're not going to know how to ask and no one would expect you to. There needs to be like some kind of new father's check-in process. Yes. Yeah. I think yes. it's a damn good idea. Uh, and, and again, to reinforce your point here, uh, he was an absolute, I'm going to put him on ask on one, like the worst of the worst in this situation. The best case scenario for everyone here is for him to get his head out of his ass, to start acting right and to man up 
which I, I hate saying man up and people are going to take that the wrong way. But in this case, he needs to man up um, and decide to to be a parent and decide <laughs> that he does not get to act like this. He doesn't get to treat his pregnant wife like this. He does not get to do these things anymore because he has he has a family to think about now. He doesn't get to act like this anymore. The best case scenario is him realizing this, turning things around and becoming the person and the parent that his family needs him to be. And hopefully that happens. So ask on one is not a permanent label, right? You can fix things. You can improve. And we hope you do. OP's hubby who decided to go momentarily douche canoe. Giving you the long stare here just so it soaks in. I'm going to join in. <laughs> it's okay to freak out. And and like you said, it is easy to discount what, what guys go through during that time. Women obviously have the all 100% of the biological change that comes through that. The mental impact is shared. Yeah. And, and that is, that's easy to forget. And I just want to be so clear, not giving a free pass to anybody. It doesn't give anybody a, a free pass to be an asshole. I just think if, I can understand there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, well, and contextually, OP presented this as out of character for him. So something caused it. And and where we're focused is more of what caused it. What, what could be the reason for that? And it, he doesn't know. He's not going to be able to pinpoint it right now, but he, he probably knows that he's pissed and freaking out. And that's it. That's all he knows right now. But it could be, it could be so many things relating to the major life change that, that this is just another signal for. Yeah. Big feelings. Congrats. Big congrats feelings. on the baby. Yes. Congrats. And hopefully things turn around uh, because yeah, that's horseshit. And uh, yeah, um, I, I thought I was going to have something about, you know, sending them a, sending them a, a baby shower present. That was some kind of um, man up tool for him, but I couldn't think of anything. Should we do a gender reveal on air? <laughs> we should. <laughs> it's a boy it's a boy congratulations guys it's amazing uh, now you both are getting that announcement at the exact same time how's that (laughs) watch watch op try that on for size op's probably watching this herself and being like oh shit i missed it again like now trying to be like oh just rewind it back rewind it back i haven't seen this yet honey you want to watch it with me (laughs) oh shit all right we got one more story here we are home stretch number four This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Dreams are curious things. They have the power to inspire, to manipulate, and to kill. Set in 1910 Germany, Adolf is a piano builder who hasn't spoken since he was a boy. His dreams compel him to build a mystical piano that will help him speak again. His mother appears in his dreams to guide him, but there's a cost on this journey. Meanwhile, the piano is unlike any that Mr. Becker, factory manager at Steinberg Pianos, has ever seen. He believes that it will change the entire piano industry. And while it may be the key to everything that both Mr. Becker and Adolf want, it's also an unwitting weapon of darkness. Will Adolf find a way to derail the dark plans that have been set in motion? Find out by reading the book Piano Man by Dusty Thunder. 
Available on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, and soon as an audiobook on Audible. You ready for it? We only have one more. Oh, we, we did. Oh, we've done two. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the yeah. final. The final. Here we go. The final story. Uh, this story is from the AITA subreddit once again and is titled, Am I the Askonaut for Banning My Son from Letting His Mom's Husband Touch Anything I Buy Him? That's a complicated statement. Whoa. Can, I, can you just read that three or four more times? Yeah, so I yeah. can process, am, I, am I the Askonaut for banning my son from letting his mom's husband, so son's stepdad, from touching anything that I buy him? Okay, so this this must be coming from dad. And he's not letting stepdad touch anything that he buys for the son. Long story Spicy. short, my ex-wife and I are divorced. You don't say. Wow. We, we had no idea. We, no, yeah, no inkling. We share custody of our seven-year-old son. I usually buy my son stuff and send them to his mom's house since I travel a lot for work. Thing is, I'd sometimes see his mom's husband wearing the stuff I got for him, my son. Like when I bought Wait. him a dinosaur wristband. So that, yeah. I was like, he's seven and they're sharing clothes. What is the deal with the stepdad? He's very he small, very, very tiny. He's very petite. Okay. Yeah. I saw his stepdad wearing it in a photo they posted on Facebook. It kept happening. And I had to speak to my ex-wife and she said her husband does this while playing with our son. I expressed my grief and discomfort regarding the issue and got brushed off. Last week, I had a business meeting abroad and couldn't go with my son to watch a baseball game. I had already bought and sent him a baseball glove a while back. And later in the day, I saw a pic on Facebook of his mom's husband wearing the freaking glove in his hand while taking a photo with my son. I immediately canceled my trip and went home to discuss the issue since my ex-wife was basically minimizing the situation. I had an... I had an argument with her. I never speak to her husband at all. And I banned my son from letting his mom's husband touch or wear anything I got or will get for him. My ex-wife started screaming at me, which caused our son to cry and called me an asshole, saying that her husband was just trying to let her son have fun and wearing the glove was to cheer him up, make him laugh or something. I refused to discuss it any further, but she decided to escalate by calling my mom, who unusually sided with her and told me that I was being unreasonable and unfair towards my son. I just feel like I'm protecting my boundaries after being brushed off for so long, but am I the asshole? Top comment, respectfully, you're the asshole. It sounds like you're getting mad about the stuff when I think in reality you're more upset about how present your son's stepdad is in his life. Banning your son from sharing his things and experiences with his stepdad accomplishes nothing except for making you look like a controlling asshole. You should want your son to have a happy and healthy relationship with the other close adult in his life. OP can't be with his kid and watch a ball game because of work. Okay, but he will cancel said overseas trip, overseas work event and go yell at the other parent and step parent. And given OP's reaction, it seems clear why he is single. OP, you're the asshole. If there are items you genuinely don't want going to mom's house, then they need to be kept at your place. Man, your viewers are good. Those are those are those top comments are pretty spectacular. Yeah, those are good, man. Uh, and and this dude needs to get a little therapy, probably. Yeah, for sure. He's yeah. uh, the fact that he's unable to identify what's going on here. Also, the fact that he refuses to speak to to his ex's now husband is a huge red flag because that is making a conscious decision to not get to know someone who is influencing your child's life. Yeah. 
So we talked about in the last one, going through that experience of realizing that you're responsible, you're not the center of the universe mm -hmm. anymore. And this guy's still buying guitars and sticking them on his wall. <laughs> yeah. You know, for like, real. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't get through that. Right. Because he's still making, he's buying his things for his son, but he's making those things he's buying for his son about him and not about his son's Correct. experience. Right. And like, I can... I can understand those feelings, but that doesn't mean they're feelings that you get to act upon, right? Like I can, like what he's experiencing is jealousy or mm -hmm. envy or insecurity about the fact that stepdad is being pretty present in son's life. And you're traveling for work all the time. And like, maybe you have to do that, but maybe you also need to reevaluate your priorities and why you're not more present in your son's life that these physical things have become symbolic of the relationship with your son. And if that's all you have, if that's all that you feel is valid about the relationship with the son, then that would be pretty provoking to see that. If that mm -hmm. is, it, if that is the, the only indication of a real relationship with your boy that you have, like that would be very triggering. Um, but I think that that sort of points to a, separate larger issue yeah it does and i think we talk about this quite a bit in stories but i think uh guilt is one of the biggest and most forceful driver for parents particularly in split households mm -hmm. i think parents who aren't with their kids all the time because that family is split guilt is is a demon that is hard to fight um hard to identify and it drives you to do some really out of character things maybe this isn't out of character for him but guilt is is a huge driver for him right now um it, it's there are unreasonable expectations and and yes the decisions that he's making are more reflective on him being selfish than truly caring for his son and wanting his son to have a, ha a healthy and happy relationship with his stepdad which he should want like i, I want that for my kids i want the the step parents in their lives to be to be a huge part of their lives and be a positive influence there. I don't want to try to silo them and be like, Hey, just pretend like that person's not around. Don't, don't let them put on the baseball glove that I got for you. You can only use that. Uh, and, and the only time when anyone besides you wears that is, is if you're, you're with me. Okay. Like it's just, it, it's a very juvenile approach and selfish approach to things. And I do think guilt is just clouding his judgment and forcing him to do some really stupid things and stepdad's living in your head rent free right now oh like for all sure day, every day, man. this guy who you refuse to get to know if you got to know him and from the sounds of it got to know him in the context of how much he cares for your son and is involved with your son's life you would probably do a 180 on that on that view and hopefully i mean you guys need to get to the point where you have an open line of communication where you're friendly at minimum civil um, but this person is going to be involved in your child's life. And if you choose to buck against that, you are only going to be harming yourself down the road. Yeah. Which sucks. Yes. The blended family thing is hard, right? It's, there's nothing easy about it all. We're pros because we've got five kids and, uh, one, two, three, including ourselves, four different sets of parents involved. I'm not that great at math, but. I believe that. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's complicated, right? It's very, very complicated. And there are a lot of personalities involved and especially early in processes. Um, it's very easy for people to let guilt and their ego drive rash decisions and cause a lot of drama that shouldn't exist. Otherwise, hopefully 
time does heal a lot of this stuff. Like you get used to it. You start to accept things and the guilt that's there of not being able to be with your son all the time right now, which is another topic because yeah, you canceled your trip to come back and, and bitch, but you couldn't be there at the game, which is funny. Um, the guilt that they feel in the very, very beginning of this process is so much stronger and they can't identify it yet, but, but it fades. Like you get used to, you get used to not being with your kids all the time, unfortunately. And it just, it should force you to be that much more intentional when you do have them. And I say this a lot too, but you know, people who end up staying in relationships because they don't want to bust off the home for their kids are forcing their kids to live in one unhappy home. And I can tell you from experience, kids in two separate happy homes are much happier than than someone who is is forcing a family or staying together but showing their children that this is love and this is marriage and this is happiness when it's all the opposite is is lighting the path that they're going to walk down later in life the best thing that you can do is be happy the best thing that you can do is put yourself in a situation where you show them what what they deserve themselves um and the old school mentality of sacrificing and sticking it out for them just isn't applicable anymore because it creates people who go through the same cycle. So now you've got a split household. You've got someone who is happy, his ex, and who is moving on with life and trying her best to build a family and be happy and be intentional. And you've got him struggling and bucking against every moment he's not with his son and looking through looking through the looking glass of his phone and just trying to like spy on what his son is doing and being jealous and lashing out and pinning it all on the stepdad. And it's not fair. It's stupid. Yeah. He can be happy, man. He should be happy for them. And he can be happy himself if he stops feeling so guilty and just trying to shit on everything. Yeah. Yeah. This is your life now. You got to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. You got to. Yeah, man. That was good. What's nope. your what's your experience here? How old, uh, how old are your kids? Uh, so I have a, a nine year old um seven year old and a almost four year old um so yeah so i i i have some i have some experience yeah so, and and i get it like i uh i'm still kind of in the thick of some of those feelings so I'm, yeah i'm just uh, kind of soaking some of this in yeah man I, uh, valuable it um, it took me a long time to get to the point where i could identify those things and really recognize the the path that i have had been down and look at the results of different scenarios and be like, well, what truly was the best thing for my children? Um, and look at them now. And my kids now are happy because everybody has a separate happy home. They have multiple happy homes that they go to. Uh, and, you know, if anything for them, they get freaking two Christmases and uh, like they get to experience a lot of things more so. But I think it causes both sets of parents to be more intentional with time. And it's the quality of that time increases so much more so, but more than anything, the example that we're setting for them, that you don't have to accept unhappiness. You don't have to stay somewhere where you're not appreciated or you're not happy. You don't have to do that. It is, it is paramount to choose you and to show them that choosing happiness is important in their life. And it's possible. And that they aren't they aren't ever stuck, right? Yeah. Getting to choose you um, and show them that you can be happy lights the path for them that they are going to know that later on in life they can do. While the cycle for so many years was, you know, once you're married and have kids, you stick it out no matter what. And how many unhappy homes did that lead to, right? 
I, I'm not saying I'm an advocate for divorce. Like I, you know, ideally everything would work out and everybody would be happy, but, but so many marriages are made, uh, as rash decisions or with people who, who end up being incompatible after life changes them or whatever, that I think my view on it now is strictly about the kids. And I've seen kids be happier in two separate homes that are happy rather than one that's not. So and that's I, all it takes. Well, and I think like, I think when kids are, I think when kids are a little bit younger tend to be a little bit more resilient mm-hmm. as well. Right. Like I, so I grew up in a, I grew up in a, a split environment really just mostly my mom. My dad wasn't very involved in my life when I was a kid at all. And, uh, I have a lot of friends that I remember whose parents are divorced now, mm-hmm. but they did, they kind of, they stuck it out for the kids. But like, I remember observing some of those relationships and seeing like yelling matches and feeling the discomfort of being around friends, parents, like being hostile, borderline abusive to each other, just cause like they're f- miserable. Right. Yeah, and they're right. just like stick it out for their kids. This is great. And then, you know, their kids grow up and, and then they get a divorce yeah. and it's like, and they that's think a done terrible, a that's a terrible rug pull. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know that the damage done by that isn't even more confusing, um, for somebody to process through as like an adult of like everything I just witnessed my whole life was a lie. Yeah. Um, I haven't had to go through that experience. Well, in some ways I feel like I've gone through that experience. So at the risk of going down a different rabbit hole here, I grew up in a pretty, um, a pretty conservative religious environment and I've spent the last several years I think the old TikTokers call it deconstructing. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so that has been really an eye-opening, perpetually uncomfortable experience over and over and over. So and you were overchurched, overchurched, yeah. hella overchurched. No pun intended. Um, and saw a lot of that. Like I saw so much of that stay together for the kids sort of mentality um, of like it's not about I don't know. It just confusing messages that. Just screw you up. Um, they painted well. the The old school mentality was to paint the the desire, or you know, divorce even being an option as as extremely selfish and to the detriment of the kids. Right. right? I think that was that was always the 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 party line. Right. It was right. It was it was you know you don't do that. You stick together for your kids. And like you said, so many people will wait until the kids graduate or move on or or become adults to finally make that decision. But the damage there is that the example that they set for so long is now their children's understanding of like happiness and marriage and and relationships and like what kind of warped filter are you giving your children whenever you you give them yourself as the benchmark? I think that's the question. And so much emphasis on on marriage being the marriage being the end all be all right. So like the legal the the legal expression of we are married being this this overemphasize things like you don't get divorced you get married you don't get divorced but we don't give a shit if your relationship is absolutely in shambles mm-hmm. and completely destructive right. and just a terrible don't worry about that what your kids need to see is that under the guiding principles of the united states law you are married and you're honoring that above all else <laughs> and man that's some <laughs> and, may, and you know maybe the maybe the root cause is there the the way that we treat marriage maybe that's maybe that's it maybe it's you know not so much about divorce but how how we as a people look at marriage maybe that's the problem i don't know i just know i, I know that early on like i i had that 
I had that feeling that carried through. My parents are still together. Uh, I'd come to find out they're still together because they love each other. Like they actually do. They're they're They were a great benchmark um, for, for what a relationship should be and still are, which is crazy. And I realize how rare that is in, in today's world. Um, but early on in life, you know, I, I was probably over churched too. So I had a lot of those things carry over that were a, I, I have to man up and stick this out and just throw away all my personal ambitions to, to be a servant to this family. Mm. And it took so long for me to learn that that wasn't the right choice. Um, that now, you know, now I know what I know because I screwed up enough times to know the right way to do it. Uh, and, and that's, I think how we learn how we learn anything but but now i've at least got enough wisdom to impart that on other people and be like look there is a light at the end of that tunnel um and and the drivers of decisions that that you thought you were making end up being so untrue in a lot of cases yeah uh, all right so uh, let's go back to the op for a second here yeah uh let's let's give this guy let's just give this guy a little little empathy right i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here this guy's inner experience right now is absolute hell. Mm. Dude, you are miserable. And I, at this point, I don't know how far he's got a seven year old. So I assume this is, is not been a, maybe a lot at most it's been seven years. So hopefully it hasn't been a whole seven years and maybe this is still pretty fresh for you, but you need to talk to somebody and like work through this. Cause like all of these feelings you're having, I think are, are rooted from some legitimate, I get it. There's a lot of feelings there, Yeah, but you're wrong, right? Like what you're doing is not okay. It's not putting your son first. Um, you, you are making yourself the center of the universe and doesn't mean those feelings you're having aren't real. Like they are. And they're, terrible and you need to get through that but like you've got to be able to figure out how to put on your big boy pants and be there for your son and support his happiness and support his experience in this life not just worrying about you know if 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 you're that concerned that somebody else is going to swoop in and and take your son and and be the the star of his universe, then you need to reevaluate what's important to you and figure out how to be that for your son. Um, stop putting these physical totems into his life to like replace your presence and be a presence for him. Right. Yeah. The, the totem is a good point there. And I think that is how he's treating them. Uh, and, and you're right. His, his inner self is in turmoil. And we say a lot that you can't be an asshole for feeling something only for what you do with those feelings. Yeah. Like how you act upon those feelings. So it's, it's understandable everything you're feeling, but, but how you're acting on them is, uh, is causing damage to your son's world. And you have to understand that. And you, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that they've been divorced, um, or, and, or she's been with, with new husband for less than two years, because this is yeah. the kind of, the kind of like rage that, that new, people who are newly in this in this situation kind of go through um until they they figure it out and kind of get used to things but um you've got to figure it out man and you've got to at some point figure out how to process your feelings it is okay to feel those things but you have to realize what's causing them number one like what's driving those uh guilt is is the number one driver of that right now you also have to remember that you're always going to be dad and that as long as you are there and love and support your son in the capacity that you can, 
um, and are intentional with the time that you spend with them, you are always going to be dad and a stepdad is always going to be a bonus dad. And that's how it should be treated. You are not going to be replaced unless you put yourself in that situation. The only person who can cause that to happen is you. Um, and if you keep doing shit like this, you might end up in that position. This is a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Just stop doing damage and and be the best dad for your son that you can be. And hope that the stepdad is going to be the best stepdad for your son that he can be. And support that. Don't fight against it. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, had to end it you with that just, yeah. jab. It's just like nice, 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 nice. Slap. Slap you with very reality. Back. Well, that's our last story. Um, so, so yeah, that was uh, that was fun. We went through some good ones there, um, and and didn't get this, at least the part two here sounding like uh, some, something heavy was being dropped on our heads over and over again so we made it we survived yeah you sir feels good love having you back here i love being here thanks it's for a having damn good me. time you're so insightful love the conversations that we have together um and uh and steve has been in so many projects for us as on-camera talent love having him we need to do some more dfhb stuff um and hopefully we we do have some other projects coming up soon that you could be a part of let's talk about Ooh, that after we exciting after we end filming here so thank you so much for hanging out with us today uh stevie wonder my special guest today on the dusty thunder podcast we'll see you next time oh yeah also colon broom i think we probably have a discount code to share with you and we'll put that in the description of this if you're feeling not sexy this might be able to help It's okay. Here it Just comes, breathe, brother. Just breathe. Here okay. comes the Hulk moment. Here comes the sun. Do 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 do. It's a good time. Down. The sun, the sun's getting real low. The sun's getting real low. They're the most inconsiderate assholes I have ever encountered. So this, yeah, sorry. I have some feelings.